Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Dr. Matt Hernandez of Ethos Integrative Medicine. Dr. Matt and I had a great conversation today talking about how people can avoid surgery, meaning what are the options out there to help regenerate and restore tissue rather than requiring surgery for these injuries, aches, issues that we deal with. We also did talk about men's health and the low testosterone issue, what causes it and what we can do naturally in order to rebuild those testosterone levels. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you will find the information that Dr. Matt shares highly valuable. So let's tune in. Dr. Matt Hernandez, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You are quite welcome. I am super excited to get you on here because we have a lot of the same ideas when it comes to dealing with injuries, and that is let's try to save the tissues, repair the tissues, rather than just going in and cutting them all out. Yeah. So that's why I'm super excited to get you on here. But first, let's get into how did you get into this direction, being a naturopath, healing things naturally, rather than going the traditional route? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So I I was actually going in my undergrad, and I was uh, studying to go uh, and become a pharmacist. Uh, in undergrad and you can obviously tell it that, that that's taken a turn <laughs> since then but yeah I, I was actually studying to go into pharmacy school and uh, in one of my projects it was a medicinal chemistry course I was taking in undergrad uh, I actually uh, for a project I actually interviewed a naturopathic physician back in Texas where where I was where I'm from and where I was going to school and uh, through that I found out about naturopathic medicine and it was you know way more fascinated with that than pharmacy at, at the end of the day. And so I uh, started shadowing that doctor over there, uh, looked into the schools, found the, you know, the school here in, in Phoenix uh, or in Arizona, and then um, yeah, applied to the school out here. And you know, that, that's how I ended up out here. And, and, and it, the, the approach of the medicine just resonated with me as far as you know, like, um, taking I, I, you know, the, the profession itself and, and the way we're, we're trained is more uh, quality versus quantity, right? So um, how do we take the time to really understand what's going on with the patient uh, and, you know, and, and understand what's going on as far as what's causing their problems and stuff. Um, and so because of that, we're able to give um, a, a higher quality of care. And so uh, I, and I, I really believed in that, um, you know, and so I, I yeah, I, I decided to pursue it and, and you know, here I am now doing what I do. So, <laughs> yeah, and I, I love every minute of it. You know, I absolutely love what I do. So, you know, I, I don't regret it, regret it by any means. Awesome. So let's kind of dive into, you know, why people, not say why people get injured, but when you're working with, you see mostly athletes or a lot of athletes, people yeah. who are very active. When you're working with them, come in with just general shoulder pain, knee pain, that sort of thing. What are you looking for with these people in order to um, figure out what you can do best for them? Yeah, that's a great question. So when, um, so I, I specialize in, in regenerative medicine and uh, specifically treating joint pain. And so uh, in regenerative medicine, our job is to go and heal damaged tissue, essentially. And so what I want to do is m- most of the time people are coming in uh, some of them have a diagnosis that, uh, you know, like a partial tear or something, something in the rotator cuff that, uh, and then others don't know what's going on. 
And so at any given point, what I want to look at is I'm, I'm looking at four pieces to joint pain. And so I look at is the, uh, or the, the, the four aspects are uh, symmetry, neuromuscular stability, and articulation. And basically what those mean is symmetry, uh, we're looking at, um, you know, what, what is their spinal alignment, pelvic alignment, all that stuff. Also muscle balance, right? Like some people are significantly more dominant on one side than the other, stuff like that. Um, neuromuscular has to deal with uh, nerves and muscles. Are there irritated nerves? Are there... Um, are there trigger points that are causing, um, you know, muscle problems or joint problems? Um, and then uh, also look at stability. So with stability, we're looking at tendon and ligament health, as well as um, what what's the musculature around the joint? Is it you know is it stabilized, right? And then uh, the last one is articulation, which is what's going on inside the joint. So this is where someone would do like an X-ray and look at what's going on inside the knee. So in my experience, when I look at, you know, I, I look at all four of these things, and in my experience with other healthcare professionals, um, where most healthcare professionals are trained to look at one or two of them, right? And maybe three if you find someone lucky, but like an orthopedic surgeon will look at articulation, right? Like they want to know what's going on. Is there arthritis? Okay, cool. That's perfect. There's arthritis. Let's do surgery. Let's do cortisone, hyaluronic acid, whatever it is. But oftentimes, the pain may not be due to the arthritis. It could be due to a trigger point that's coming on the outside, right? But orthopedic surgeons don't look at that. Mm -hmm. um, but if you went to a massage therapist or a chiropractor, they might have seen that. And so, and I think that's why we have such a, a, a big um, difference when, you know, you have someone who tried, um, let's say, chiropractic and it didn't help. And so then, uh, you know, they went to a physical therapist or they went to a massage therapist and that helped. And it's because we all evaluate different things, right? Um, and so I do my best to evaluate all four of those and I don't treat all four. Like I, I, I treat like two and a half of them. Um, but uh, you know, that, that, to me that's important is, is evaluating. So and there's times where I'll look at someone's, um, you know, someone's joint pain and then I'll go and say, oh, well, you, know, you just need to get your pelvis adjusted or you need to get your spine adjusted. So I don't do that in my practice. So I just go and refer out for that piece. But if, if there's an articulation problem, if there's stability problem, then then that's when my you know my stuff comes in. Um, and then of course you also want to figure out um, what caused everything, right? So like what, you know right before the podcast we had the conversation about if someone comes in with a partial tear in the rotator cuff, you know my job is to go and and heal the tear. But there was a biomechanic problem that caused that tear to occur. So then that's when physical therapy works super well. So once I heal the tear, they do PT. And, and then now, not only do we have a, a, a healed shoulder, the chance of it happening again is extremely slim, right? And so they can go back to activity, you know, you know, foot, you know go, go all out again, do whatever they need to. Um, and they're not going to injure it again. So, yeah, that, those are kind of the things that I look for when it comes to short, joint pain as a whole. Awesome. Yeah. And I love that you did bring up our previous conversation and of the whole factor that the mechanical ways that we move is what contributes to a lot of these tears and issues. And so, because you hear it all the time, I hear it all the time, it's, well, I had this procedure done, so it should be fixed. Why am I still having pain? And it's because no one actually corrected how they're moving or right. they didn't take the time to actually correct how they're moving either on their own or through therapy. And so it's, 
it's necessary to address both aspects. Yes, we need to heal that tissue properly, but we also need to retrain the body how to move yeah. properly again afterwards. Absolutely, yeah. That's, that's so important. I mean, that, that being able to, to retrain the body and, and fixing that biomechanic problem, I mean, the, the biomechanic is where it all falls apart. So this, if, if you don't go back and retrain that and fix it, it's only going to happen again. And, and that's what I tell my patients is I, I can do my PRP injections on you for sure and or my prolotherapy, whatever it is, I can heal the tissue, but if you don't do the biomechanic work, it's going to come back, and you're going to be here in another year with me trying to fix it again. Yeah. And you know that that's just that's a waste of you know your time and money, in, in my opinion. So if if we go and heal it, and then we do the biomechanic work, then now you're talking about okay, now now you can go back to full activity, no issue. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So when you are healing the tissues. I know there's a number of different methods you use. Let's dive into some of these different methods that yeah. you can incorporate into a treatment plan so these people don't necessarily need surgery to fix everything. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the, the one that, um, let's start with the most basic one, and that's, that's going to be prolotherapy. Uh, so prolotherapy is one where we use uh, dextrose, and, and dextrose is, is sugar, essentially. And we use a dextrose solution to go and inject uh, a given area. Usually when, when, we're, when we're using dextrose, we're treating a ligament. Or in my, in my practice, I'm usually using it to treat a ligament problem. Um, so there's like ligament laxity that's causing a joint to be unstable. So like the, the one that I see really common with this is going to be um, people who uh, they sprain their ankle and they have a, you know, they, 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 chronic, they have like chronic ankle sprain. So their ankle never feels stable again. Um, and they just feel like, you know, they step on a pebble, it's just going to give out, right? That, that's, a, that's a ligament issue uh, in general. And then also, also there's muscles that are involved with it, right? And that's where we look at, you know, all four of the things that I talked about earlier. Um, but if, if I'm going and treating a ligament, then I'm using prolotherapy. Um, and what that does is it strengthens the ligament and helps uh, improve the integrity of it. And so by strengthening it, you stabilize the joint and then, you know, you're able to get the patient uh, out of pain and you know have function again um the next one is platelet-rich plasma therapy or prp therapy Uh, that's where we use the patient's blood spin it down and then we uh, concentrate the platelets and the platelets contain a high amount of growth factor and that growth factor stimulates healing and so by concentrating it we basically put a high amount of growth factor in a given area and then that helps heal the um, you know the, the the tissue that we're treating. So, when it comes to PRP, I'm usually using it for tendinopathy uh, or like a tendon issue uh, or arthritis. Uh, and there's studies that show um, where you know if you're treating a tendon, and the, I think the most researched tendon on PRP is um, for the lateral epicondyle, so like for tennis elbow. Um, there's there's so much research that shows you know it, that compares PRP to prolo to cortisone injection and uh, for a tendon and um, you know PRP shows to be the superior out of those three when it comes to treating tendon problems um, and, and it's usually a tendinopathy or tendinosis which is uh, the analogy I like to use for it is if you took like a if you went to Home Depot and you bought like a piece of rope. And then you took that rope on a sharp rock and just went back and forth. That frame that occurs—that's what tendinopathy is or tendinosis. Um, and so PRP is fantastic for treating that, where we can go and actually heal the tendon, strengthen it again, get rid of pain, improve function. 
Um, and then osteoarthritis. There's actually a lot of studies that show that for mild to moderate osteoarthritis, uh, PRP beats out uh, cortisone, hyaluronic acid, prolotherapy, and even, I think in one study, even stem cell therapy. Uh, and then if it's severe osteoarthritis, then you want to do like, now you're looking at more like stem cell therapy. Um, and stem cells going to be um, like bone marrow or adipose stem cell. And, and I think that's um, so going from PRP to like the next one, the, the sexy word that everyone knows is stem cell, right? And unfortunately, there's, there's a lot of misconception in regenerative medicine. And there's a lot of people in my, you know, in all honesty, being screwed over when it comes to stem cell therapy, because there are clinics that claim that they do stem cell therapy. And what they're actually doing is doing, uh, so in, anytime you hear like umbilical cord or amniotic uh, or what's the other one? I don't know. Uh, they got rid of the other one. Never mind. So mainly those two. So amniotic and umbilical cord. Those actually aren't stem cells. The, that's growth factor. Uh, so it's similar to PRP, but P, you know the marketing is stem cell. So you're paying a stem cell price, and you're getting you know something similar to PRP. Um, if you want true stem cell therapy, then you want to get um, it, it has to come from yourself. So it has to either come from your adipose tissue, so your fat tissue, or your bone marrow. Um, and that's when you're getting true stem cell therapy. But, and, and even then, a lot of people look once, or a lot of people ask for stem cell therapy, and you only need, I mean, really only 10% of the population that has joint pain actually needs it. You know, PRP, Prolo, some of the more cost-effective treatments like those um, are enough to get rid of the problem. Uh, but some people, you know, want the stem cell because it's the sexy thing, right? And so... Um, you know, but you, you don't, they're not necessary for, you know, 90% of the population. Um, yeah, those, those are the kind of the three main ones. And then there's another one called, uh, peri, uh, perineural injection therapy. Um, uh, and that's used to treat nerve pain. Um, and that's something that I do here in my practice as well. And that's using dextrose, but at a lower concentration and you use it to regenerate nerves. Um, and one of the cool stories I have with that is I have a patient who had knee pain, uh, and he's like 75 or something like that. Had knee pain, went to his ortho. Uh, ortho did, and this is like that, you know, that part of what's causing your pain. Is it arthritis or is it something else? So, you know, the patient had knee pain, went to his ortho. Ortho did the x-ray. X-ray showed arthritis, so he had a knee replacement. So had full knee replacement, um, went back and after the surgery had the exact same pain that he was having, you know, before the knee replacement. And so when he comes into my office and he shows me what the pain is, I was like, oh, that's a nerve entrapment. And so, you know, the referral pattern made sense, all that stuff. So then I actually did the perineural injection and took his pain away. And so I did, I did literally did one treatment and then his pain was gone for like, I think a month and a half. And then it came back and I did another one and it's, I think it's been three months now and it's yeah like it, he's still better at this point um and so yeah so the, uh, understanding what's actually where the pain generator is is super important otherwise you have you know, I mean that guy in my opinion didn't need the surgery mm -hmm. I mean you know like well, he could have avoided that so um you know for, fortunately it went well for him so he didn't have any ill effects of it but yeah I mean his pain was being caused by the nerve problem so yeah mm -hmm. Well, and even if, you know, I think the really cool thing with 
with what you do is even if it you know you think it's one area and you treat that area and it's not you haven't damaged anything in the process you haven't cut anything out that's not going to right you know? and so it's like okay so i hit we thought it was this tendon it wasn't let's attack this one next yeah. and see what that one does and so it's just one of those things i was like why not you know at least see what we can do naturally versus yeah surgery first yeah i mean at, at the end of the day the treatments that i do um in honesty, the you know unless you know knock on wood, unless something really like weird happens, the the worst that can happen in general is it doesn't work, and so you know and so that sucks, and so you want to make sure okay how do you control as many variables as possible to make sure that it does work, mm-hmm. you know and and that's you know that's what we do you know we work really hard at here at our clinic is figuring out how to do that. Absolutely. And so, yeah. One thing I, that still astounds me, and this is just healthcare in general, is. We know the studies show that all these treatments do better than the cortisone and some of those other things. Yeah. And yet, the insurance companies are going to fork over tons of money for all this stuff that might work and right. then we're off in a month or two, rather than actually, you know, doing what's going to be less costly for them. Yeah. And better on the patient. So it's, it's just, I don't know. It still astounds me. Yeah. <laughs> on, yeah. All these things that they'll pay for and things they don't. Yeah. All the healthcare stuff on, on as far as like insurance and all that. It's it's ridiculous. And, yeah. And that's yeah. That's why we don't do it. So, <laughs> right. I mean, to be honest, yeah. It, it's it's crazy. Um, I'm like, what? For prolor PRP, probably total out of pocket is like maybe fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. And when you think of the cost of a surgery with the anesthesia and everything else involved, like you're. I mean, you, 30, 40, 50,000 dollars at minimum for the, these surgeries. Yeah, the the MRI to to that an orthopedic surgeon will will run to justify surgery is going to cost if you go through your insurance it's going to cost 1500 dollars, right? I mean, I can do a lot for 1500 dollars <laughs> to to like, you know, realistically prevent that surgery from ever occurring, right? But Absolutely. Ju- I mean that, you know, you spent 1500 and you haven't even gotten um, a treatment yet. That was just a do an image on you yeah. and so it's like you know go god forbid the surgery and stuff that comes down the road right like yeah yeah definitely so on that note what do you do image wise because i know you don't require mris when you see people so what do you mm. do to make sure you're um honing in on what's going on internally yeah no that's a great question so the uh what do you call it what for Im- for imaging i i in in some ca- in some cases I will I will do imaging especially when we're doing like PRP and stuff like that because that, that's a you know the cost of that you want to make sure that we you know we actually know what we're injecting and have an idea of where everything's coming from um, so the 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 primary imaging that I use though is keep in mind I treat joint pain so m- most of the time the pain is coming from outside the joint uh, meaning it's a tendon problem it's a ligament problem stuff like that. There are, there are times where like if, you know someone has arthritis in their knee and so or arthritis in their hips and so I need X-rays to confirm all that but that's after I do my physical exam and understand what's going on. Um, the image that I utilize the most though and that most people aren't aware of is uh, musculoskeletal ultrasound. Um, so this is a um, this is something that's not practiced here in the U.S. super commonly. Uh, I think in Arizona there's about 26 people that are trained in musculoskeletal ultrasound and that have a, a certification in it. Um, but 
what what the ultrasound actually allows us to do is to look at the joint and we can see everything going on around the joint with the and but we can't see through bone so like i i can't diagnose arthritis you know because it's i have to look inside the bone but it, i could go and figure out what's going on outside right so like a, the the shoulder is one of the things i treat the most actually it's a, it is the thing i treat the most um and when we're looking at shoulder pain it's pretty rare that the pain is actually coming from inside the joint. It's usually going to be a bursa, a tendon, something that's that's actually outside of the capsule. Um, in which case, an MRI, um, you don't need an MRI to figure that out. You can use an ultrasound, and that's a fraction of the cost. Uh, and not only the, the 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 thing I like about the ultrasound with the shoulder in particular is that. Um, you can with, with an MRI it's a static image right so you're not allowed to move in order for it to get a clear image with the ultrasound we can actually say okay what what movement hurts have you do the movement and we can have the ultrasound on you while you're doing it so we can see where the pain is coming from uh, which is really cool uh, but yeah it, it's a fraction of the cost and um, you know and, and it's not something that you go to an imaging center for because uh, no imaging center does it you have to have like someone in your office that's trained in it and so that's what we do we i I, you know i have some people that come in and and do the imaging for me um but yeah it it, it, that that's the main one that i use in my in my practice and then every now and then if i if i need to see what's going on with a labrum or something like that then i'll go and order the mri so i know more or less what's going on but in general the the ultrasound's the you know the best way for me to go awesome is there anything that you can't treat through when it comes to soft tissues I'm talking yeah. still that you can't treat through the regenerative type methods yeah so if, if there is a full tear um, that that's kind of the the one that I get people come in and they're like hey can you do PRP or you know whatever on my uh, rotator cuff yeah absolutely let me take a look at it and then I, you know it's a full tear you know I can't fix that <laughs> like they need surgery right uh, we can stabilize the other joint but or the rest of the the rest of the stuff to help compensate for the full tear but I can't help the full tear and that's when you you know we have to work with a really good PT and stuff to stabilize the rest of it right uh, so full tears you can't fix um, what else uh, I don't treat if they if someone has like rheumatoid arthritis or something like that like a inflammatory arthritis I'm not going to do that because that's probably just going to make it worse like it, it'll, it'll flare them up and it's going to make that piece worse um those are probably the two main ones and then like you know and then you get people that have like fibromyalgia stuff like that i don't you know that the, these treatments aren't going to work for mm-hmm. that um i i think the the biggest thing kind of to add on to your question is um it can help so it can help people with tendon problems ligament problems partial tears um arthritis like osteoarthritis i should say um stuff like that uh, if there's a uh like frozen shoulder, it works super well for. Um, all those things is, are, are fantastic. Men, uh, meniscus problems, it can help if the unless the only time I haven't had it work is if the meniscus if there's a flap that kind of like flapped over and then mm-hmm. it gets caught. Like I, I mean, yeah, I can't I can't repair that right. Like you, you have to go in and get that surgically removed. Um, but but if, if it's a partial tear in the meniscus, yeah, we can fix that for sure. Um, but I, I think what's more important is making sure that the, that the patient is actually healthy enough for the treatment, right? Because I've had patients who come in and they have, um, 
like diabetes or something like that. And yeah, at the end of the day, my job is to heal tissue and someone who has diabetes is, um, they don't heal super well. And so, you know, the treatment's not gonna work to its optimal effect. So once we get the diabetes under control, then we're good. Uh, or if someone's a smoker, um, you know, smoking deoxygenates your tissue and it causes all this, you know, oxidation that goes on. And so that decreases your ability to heal. And um, with some of the stuff that we're, you know, with PRP, we wanna go and cause more blood flow to the area. We wanna cause more blood vessel formation in the area. And uh, that's not gonna happen with someone who smokes. And so we have to work and make sure that on our, on our side, uh, before we even do a treatment or consider it, make sure the, the patient's healthy enough for it uh, or else we're not doing them justice because they're just going to waste their money. So, mm-hmm. And that's what I absolutely love too is that you're not out for just getting someone's money. Like You legitimately want to help them get better and you're not going to waste their money and their time if they're not yeah. going to. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, we, we do our best and we have a really strict process with all that because, again, at the end of the day, like, you know, I, I, I get the... I get you want you want to feel better and stuff like that, but you know I don't want you to waste your resources at the end of the day either. So yeah. you know if, I'm I'm going to do my best to make sure that doesn't happen. Awesome. So I know you also um, switching topics a little bit. I yeah. know you also do deal with hormones, men's health, that sort of thing. Yeah. Obviously, athletes testosterone is a big thing. Low T, we hear in the media all the time. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, is low T really an issue? And then what can we do naturally for it rather than just doing injections all the time? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so when we're looking at, at hormones, um, as, and men, because my partner is, does women and you don't, you don't want me treating women's hormones, uh, to be honest. So uh, I, I'm, good, I'm good at two things and that's, that's definitely not one of them. So uh, but when we're looking at, at men as a whole, yeah, so, so low, t, low testosterone actually is a thing. Um, and it's interesting because you, you, get, you get individuals who, are, who have low testosterone. Like I've seen, I've seen patients who have low testosterone and they're in like their mid-20s, which is crazy. Um, but it happens. And so my job is fig- figuring out, okay, what is it that's causing that? Um, and how how low is it actually right so like at, at the end of the day you want to treat from from a physician or as a as a physician um i think a lot of times doctors can get um really focused on treating either like an image or a lab it's like oh the the image isn't perfect this lab isn't perfect so we need to get it to be perfect and and um we can forget how the patient actually feels right and so uh, we do our best to, to check that. So I mean, I, I'll get guys who come in that, you know, that have uh, low energy or low libido or whatever it is like that, that you know, that, that's making them sit in front of me. And, um, you know, and then we go and we run their testosterone and there's times when it's low and there's times when it's normal. And so we have to figure out, okay, is it normal for you? Or is it, you know, like, yeah, it's normal on the lab, but is it, you know, it doesn't mean it's normal for you, right? So let's let's run a test and let's see if we increase it a little bit how do you feel oh i feel fantastic okay perfect so then you know it's it's low it's low for you so we need to figure out how do we how do we improve it um and so like the other part of your question was how do we do that naturally right and at, at the end of the day there's there's a few different pieces to it um and it's the stuff that everyone's going to say and that nobody wants to do and that's that's uh, sleep nutrition and exercise right 
and and the, again those are so important for everything and um, you know if, if I get like I said that 20 year old that comes in and their testosterone is somewhat low they're like you know that they're it's in like the you know four or five hundred range and you know ideally you want someone at that age to be like in the eight eight hundred range or so you know in general again everyone's different but in general you that's where you want to see it um you know i'm not going to put them on testosterone therapy or unless unless they need unless they absolutely have to go on it which would be kind of rare for that um, we're going to have a conversation about how do we improve it naturally because at the end of the day I don't want them to be dependent on this the rest of their life too uh, and, and that's kind of the people that you know that come into my office anyway like they're, if we can fix it naturally cool if not then you know then we'll jump to that uh, we'll jump to a more conventional route I should say um, but you know making sure that the, the first thing I, I always want to check is uh, how well are they sleeping? Because you know, oftentimes with you know the society that we live in, people don't sleep super well. So can we improve sleep? Um, doing that has actually shown um, making sure that someone actually gets eight hours of sleep. Um, in studies, has shown to increase testosterone production by like 300, 400 points. So doing that alone is super important. Um, and so my job becomes if they're not sleeping well, what's causing that, and how do we improve that? Um, and then making sure that people are actually um, not under eating and overtraining, right? That that's that's such a I think that's such an epidemic that we have where uh, people will go for for whatever reason, whether they want to like lose weight, get jacked, whatever it is, they'll under eat and overtrain, mm-hmm. and that jacks up your hormones worse than anything. Absolutely. And so making sure that they're eating the proper amount uh and i I personally don't don't you know i I get an idea of where it's at and then i refer for someone that you know uh that that actually checks all that um and so i i use kelly like kelly michelle is the one that i work the most with she's a badass nutritionist um so yeah i I work with her primarily um because she's awesome at what she does and then uh also the exercise piece and so that's where we look at okay if you know studies show if you do deadlifts you know and and work a lot of like your your lower body you can actually increase testosterone by a few hundred points just doing that um and so you know working with um oftentimes i'll I'll talk to if if they have a personal trainer or a coach of some sort i'll talk to that coach and say hey can you program this for them you know and make sure it's a little bit heavier in these exercises and stuff because you know, and then, and so we we do that for a month, and then we see you know, we test it again. Did that improve anything? Um, obviously, making sure their other hormones are fine because if your thyroid is out of whack, if your cortisol is out of whack, then your testosterone will be affected mm-hmm. too. So making sure all those are 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 doing well, and then if you know if we don't see any any improvement in, within a month, then at that point, uh, maybe three months, depending on how bad it is, then at that point we'll jump to something a little bit more heavy duty. So. Um, but yeah, if, if I can avoid, if I can help people avoid having to be on testosterone therapy for their whole life, then I will. But and then you know, it all depends on their goal, their age, what resources they have. Um, you know, a fifty-year-old is going to be a different conversation than a twenty-year-old. So, yeah, look at those pieces. With the way the majority of society is, or at least our society is, the younger population that's low T typically is it more of the sleep nutrition type issues going on that you find yeah so it's it's usually gonna be um 
part of a nutrition problem, uh, just you know, younger population needs a bunch of junk food. Well, actually, any population needs a bunch of junk food. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an American, it's an, it's an American problem. Let's be real. Uh, so, yeah. So, so going and um, looking at the nutrition piece, uh, sleep does become a factor. Uh, the one thing I didn't mention was like environmental toxins and stuff like that. Um, so, um, one of the, one of the ones that you know, like plastic water bottles is going to be a thing. Um, someone who drinks a lot of beer, right? Like the beer belly is a thing because you have phytoestrogens in beer, right? And so that, that's, that's a contributing factor. And so that can affect your, um, your testosterone production. Um, and then even something as simple as like the, you know, we have them all over the place here because we're a medical office, but like Lysol wipes and stuff like that those the the chemicals used in those are actually endocrine disruptors so every time you touch it with like a bare hand you're absorbing some of that and you know if you're doing it a lot that can screw up your endocrine system um so like when we do when we wipe here like all of our like countertops and stuff we we all have gloves on when we do it because we don't obviously don't want that so uh, but i mean something super simple super simple like that um yeah i but in men you know the plastic water bottles could be could be huge just getting rid of that and then yeah, and then just drinking excessive amounts of beer can, can help, or you know, well, not avoiding drinking excessive <laughs> amounts of beer can help. Um, yeah, the, those are those are probably two of the more common ones. Awesome. In in younger pop in the younger population for sure. Cool. I um. I didn't know the specifics with the you know the Lysol wipes or cleaning supplies in general. Obviously, there's so many chemicals in them that yeah, yeah. can do different things to our bodies. But that's really interesting as far as the hormone effect on it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I forget, for the, for the wipes in general, I forget the exact mechanism, but I have the, I'm sure I could find the study that I had for that, but yeah, it, it, I, was, I remember reading it, and I was like, okay, I've got to be careful with those from now on, so yeah. <laughs> Note to self. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I know, obviously, you are here in Arizona. Just curious for people not in Arizona, not yeah. in the Phoenix area, do you have connections elsewhere for if someone's looking for someone that like you oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah there, there's definitely um I, I i don't know i know a bunch of people like I know, I know a bunch of other doctors in a number of states and so uh, i'm always happy to give a recommendation to a good one that i know out there so yeah for sure cool uh just kind of start closing it out if someone's mm -hmm. dealing with pain not sure what to do not sure if they need to go to therapy, see a doctor, have surgery, this, that, and the other, what do you suggest that they do first? Um, so one of the things that, let's see, one of the things that, that um, you can do is, or if, if, if you're more interested in figuring out like at-home stuff, so I actually have um, a podcast myself, so it's called Ethos Athletes, and on there I have a few things, uh, a few episodes where we talk about um different types of like shoulder pain low back pain knee pain stuff like that and i give some of the common reasons that that can occur um and and in, in those episodes i also talk about like um some at-home stuff that can be done uh on my website as well so it's ethoscottsdale.com uh there's there's some free guides that i have for i think shoulder pain and knee pain that talk about things to do as well if those don't work then you probably need some more like targeted help by a professional and so um you know going and seeing a, a good pt like yourself um you know it, or 
I don't know, someone that you trust and, you know, isn't going to just try and sell you a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, this could. Uh, I, I offer free 15-minute consults uh, to chat with someone to, to see where they should start. Sometimes, you know, they actually... There's, there's a decent amount of times where I, I chat with them and I'm just like, hey, I don't think you need my service. Like, you should, but this is where you should start. You know, I, I do my best if, if I don't think I can help or if my stuff isn't necessary, I do my best to have an idea of where to send you next. I don't, I don't want you to ever be like, you know, leave here without an answer for something. So um, most of the time I have an idea of where to start at that point. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Dr. Matt, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know you are crazy busy today, so (laughs) I'm thankful that you took some time in your day for me. Yeah, thank you, Brianna. I really appreciate it. (laughs) And that concludes this episode of Highly Functional. I truly appreciate the time you spend to listen to myself and my colleagues share with you how to become highly functional individuals and how to be highly functional individuals. If you learned great information from this, I would love for you to share it with your friends and help them become highly functioning individuals as well. Until next time, go out and be highly functional.